Heads, and welcome to the League, exploring League of Legends lore from A to Z. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. My name is Mark. And today we're talking about the Sinister Blade Katarina, who was released September 9th, 2000, September 9th, September 19th, 2009. Yeah, once again, more old ass <laughs> fucking K champions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Riot has been a fan of the letter K for a long time. Yeah, this Apparently. was like, they were like, we're going to start a game. And if there's a name that starts with K, or we can invent a name that starts with K, I'm fucking there, BB. Infinite champions, man. It's like printing money. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say also, I love that we haven't listed the stuff on her universe page, but the word blade shows up on her page three different times. Really? Between the titles and her subtitle. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The blade of the blade, master blade. Yeah, the blade of blade. (laughs) Man. Her fingernails are blades. <laughs> Favorite movie? Blade. Blade 2, weirdly. <laughs> so, on the universe page, despite being ancient, she has a bio and two short stories this time, so I guess that's something. Kind it's- of. Yeah. Kind of. Um... Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought I heard thunder, but yeah, I think their cat was rolling something around upstairs. That makes a loud. lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Your puma upstairs. Just <laughs> <laughs> they're such tiny cats too, but they're so loud. Anyway, um, yeah, it sounds like everything kind of got an overhaul though, because John dug up a lot of old stuff, obviously. Which, so much old stuff. I don't. They, they do this to every old champion that they're like, we'll just rewrite a new bio and a new story, and they like they have they didn't even half-assed it, they quarter-assed it, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then threw out all the old crap, and then they called it a day. This is her now. This is her now. <laughs> well, I think didn't she get reworked in like 2012 or something like that? Is when she got all of her updates and stuff. I feel like it was Ooh. a really old one, right? That's so I, true. I think that's when partially was, it. When was the Katarina I, update? I, I think so. That's the number I saw floating around was 2012, okay. but I, you know. I'll believe I don't you. keep track of these things. It's It's been yeah. so long. I feel like I only ever played old Katarina. I still have never really picked up new Katarina, so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play To me, much. it was always like, oh, the rework must have been last year. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, this new cat. I kind of know what she does. <laughs> It's like, man, it's been 10 years. <laughs> it's like, it's so similar to old Katarina is the problem. And apparently you can still just face roll on the keyboard and get a pentakill, which was the running joke with old Katarina. And someone quite literally did it. They shoved their whole face on their keyboard and went back and forth and got a pentakill with Katarina. Yeah. Which that's good, fucking hilarious. It's a good video. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. I love it. Now... What is a uh, what does our gal Katarina sound like? <laughs> oh, God. It's so funny because she's like got the most generic voice she and does. voice lines. I was thinking because like I made fun of Jace and said he was just I'm a white man, and I feel like Katarina is like I'm a strong female character. Oh, that could be one of her quotes. I That's think good. it could be. Sure. Yeah. Um. She had one that was kind of funny in an ironic way, where she's <laughs> like, "Better dead than dull." Which is kind of funny, because she's pretty dull, I I thought. (laughs) I thought it had to do with the blades, but... (laughs) Well, it works on multiple levels, that's what's... (laughs) 
really just the two, but you know. She is so dull. Violence solves everything. Nice. Yeah. You, okay, here's my problem right away. Katarina's so dull. Garen is so dull. You know what would make them both more interesting? <laughs> is if they put the romance back in there with them. And I, I love romance and side plots, but I'm very rarely like, this would make a character more interesting, but it would make both of them infinitely more interesting. It would. I think so. I, I agree. I, I, I agree, too, because I feel the same way about, um, you know, I tend to not care too much about romance stuff, and it doesn't add a lot most of the time. But yeah, it definitely would. I think, and we'll get into this as we go through the pieces, but I think the issue with Katarina is that she's got even less going on than Garen. Like, Garen's like, okay, there's stuff here, and he just needs, like, a catalyst, mm-hmm. like a Katarina thing. With her, it's like, you gotta do some more fucking legwork to get it to be more impactful for her, I feel like. Yeah. I never uh, thought we'd find someone with less going on than Garen. Which is surprising, <laughs> because, like, from a from a design standpoint, there's so much you can do with mm-hmm. her. Uh, yeah, it's just not really. I think it's the reason she shows up in more cinematics than she has stories. Because I think a lot of the compelling stuff about her is in like her fighting style and stuff like that, which is much easier to show in a visual format. Even in the short story they had with her combat, like it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to follow because she's very yes. like very fucking night crawlery. It doesn't translate <laughs> as well yeah. to to text. Um, but yeah, I st- uh, yeah, they, there could be more. I want uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's you know it is interesting because I think talking about the cinematics, another weird thing about Katarina in general is that she's like she used to be one of the faces of League, but I feel mm-hmm. as though she's not anymore, and that's interesting yeah. to me. She's yeah, like this. Re- I mean- <laughs> she's like a retired old diva. Like ah, I used to. <laughs> They always wanted me for all of the big events. Now, yeah, it's like I'm know. picturing her like Sunset Boulevard now. Yeah, <laughs> she's the old lady in Sunset Boulevard. I'm ready for my close-up, General D- Dugato. Oh man, yes, great film <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it. I know we have a young audience. I mean, it's a classic one. Um, I'll go through Katarina's bio. Sure. I'll just say, though, whatever you're kind of imagining for her bio, that's probably what her bio is. <laughs> There's, like, no twists and turns here, really. So, Katarina was born into a noble family in Noxus. I always am a little thrown off when they mention Noxus noble families because, like, a big thing was how that doesn't matter. So, I'm always really confused. Yeah, but I guess it used to a lot more, to be fair. Like, that's the whole true. Swain taking over did away with a lot of that. But yeah. it used yeah. to be a bigger thing than it is now. Um, so we get a one-line mention of Cassiopeia being her sister, and that's it. Which I had already <laughs> forgotten, to be honest. I started reading, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I remembered, but only because of how unimpactful it was for Cass. I was like, right? I bet you it's going to be yeah. just as bad for Kat. And you know what? It it, spoiler alert, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Katarina, though, is a daddy's girl, I guess, and spends her childhood training to become an assassin with her father, the general. I can't pronounce their name. John already did. Du Couteau. Du Couteau. Okay. Very Francais. (laughs) They mention how she builds up an immunity to many poisons by testing small doses on herself. Something you think might come up later. You know, maybe with like a sister who poisons people. (laughs) But no. But no. (laughs) It does not come up. (laughs) What is she, Sicilian? Actually, does Cassiopeia poison people? There's a princess bride. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, that didn't register. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but... There's visible sorry. fucking confusion on my face. 
And yeah, Cassiopeia, anyway. Cassiopeia, like, you mean in game or like in lore? Does she poison In lore, people? I feel like she was like choking people, right? Or like, you know, squeezing them like snakes do. Uh, yeah, like as a snake, she doesn't poison people. I, th- I remember that we talked about that. It was weird yeah. that they like they have that weird poison comb shit with her mom. Ooh, maybe so- her dad poisoned her mom. Maybe that's what it's trying to tell us. If poisons are a something they use. Yeah, it was weird. No, that's just not around. Honestly, I feel like Spirit <laughs> Blossom cast is way more like the lore cast than mm. the in game. Oh yeah, all about that crushing. Anyway, <laughs> Katarina finally gets her first job from her father to kill a line officer in some opposing army, a guy named Demetrius. So Katarina kind of felt like this job was for big babies, so she <laughs> killed the general instead, which led to Demetrius leading the army himself to a Noxian encampment and just killed a bunch of them. Katarina's father barely escaped, and he was like super not pleased with Katarina after this. So Katarina ran off to actually kill Demetrius, although was quickly tracked down by another assassin her father sent, uh, simply so she could get that cool scar on her eye. That's kind of what it felt like. Right. Talon was that other assassin. <clears throat> we were going to get to that with oh, a short story. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Fucking spoiler. <laughs> That's a big you, reveal. You didn't hear anything. Sorry. <laughs> who knows who Some that other assassin could individual. be. <laughs> you ruined my flow. Okay, so... <laughs> She, like, kind of wins that fight, as we'll see in the short story, and then does find Demetrius and kill him and brings his head to her father. He's, like, still not really cool with her. I guess he's not going to have her killed again, but doesn't really trust her anymore. So now she wants to prove she's, like, a real good Noxian assassin or whatever. I thought you were going to say she's going to prove she's a real girl, like some fucked up (laughs) Pinocchio shit. Katarina is just a normal girl in Noxus. (laughs) So the, the thing that immediately struck me on this was because I I was I'm more familiar with old Katarina lore than mm. new Katarina lore, so it was immediately surprising to me that she was like dis, like a disgraced Noxian, like because like Mark mentioned she was always like the face of Noxus yeah. to me. So finding out that like oh she's you know she's like nothing um, uh, was a big surprise to me, and I. This is I read this before reading the short stories and I, I had written a note that like, man, it seems like she really would have been in favor of Swain taking over because, you know, she can serve Noxus, not worry about her father sending assassins after her, not worry about her father's opinion of her. It's kind of like a win-win-win for Katarina. And then it turns out that, yeah, she she is cool with yeah. <laughs> Swain taking over. Yeah. I mean, that was a question I had kind of leaving this. I think more to a broader point an issue with the bio is that it's got a lot of vagaries around kind of what's where her place is in the world as we kind of know it you know like we we see these events happen but we have no real way of placing what katarina is up to like there's been a lot of recent stuff going on in noxus and we don't get anything in the bio really about that we have to kind of rely on that short story to kind of fill in some of the gaps and even then there was a lot of gap i think between that short story and this where there's like been a lot of development kind of too I feel yeah. like that we've missed. So definitely. Also, for the record, this bio, surprisingly, because I didn't really get his feel in a lot of the way it was told, was by Anthony Birch. Mm. Oh, weird. <laughs> Not a passion project from him. I <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> he got a yeah. list of facts and then had to put it in here. It was a surprising thing that it was. It'd be, it's a surprising thing to assign to Anthony Birch. Yeah, if you too. look at the other champions that he's covered and like his general writing style, I would not have given him Katarina to no. write. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's this, I think, kind of talking about her voice, too. She kind of is lacking, like, a strong voice. She's very dull in, in general, like we said. And I think that's a big issue with, like, yeah, well, you can give us... You know what this this felt like to me was reading a bit like a a level like a first time D&D character background again oh where they're supposed God, to be level right. one but they've like I was this awesome trained assassin and I poisoned myself and you know the yeah. first time I got sent on a job I didn't kill my target I killed the head general and then a second assassin came to kill me but I fought him off and then killed my original target you know it's just like I was like yeah. okay that's yeah a lot of shit to, I mean you know I don't know <laughs> except her parents would be dead if it was a first D&D character I mean, you know, they kind of are. They yeah, might as well say, be, I they guess. kind of are. And my dad's embroiled in like political conspiracy, and I might be, you know, whatever. It's and who just, knows where my mom who is? Knows where is? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's part and parcel with with League of Legends champions sometimes, but I don't know. I think with all that, you'd think you could get a really interesting character put together, but all that's like window dressing on like a really fucked up foundation, which is like. Mm-hmm. I say fucked up. It's just like, it's just not much there, more specifically. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning, too, that like, so Anthony Birch wrote the bio, Ian St. Martin wrote the first short story, and Michael Yi Chow wrote the second short story. So, in terms of like consistency of voice between like, it's real hard to get three mm-hmm. different writers to try and tell the story of a single character yeah. and remain That's any sort of like consistency and interest. Especially when they're not like, strongly formed like I think you could get three different writers to write Mundo and they'd mm-hmm. all kind of have the same vibe they, they'd get it you know but Katarina there's just not much to go on so they, they kind of write three different people yeah yeah I think that's I mean I think that's exactly it right is that you know she's so old and she was kind of in a space where there wasn't a lot of champions and she could kind of just she could just be the bad bitch you know, I'm Kat- <laughs> yeah. Katarina. But now there's like there's so many more that she really kind of blends in. I there's feel a lot like. of bad bitches with more personality. Now. Yeah, like I, I'd be curious to see what Samira is like because I feel like Samira mm. is going to be Katarina properly realized. I would suspect yes. that's it, a really good point. And them immediately replacing Katarina with Samira in the most yeah. you know recent mm. cinematics of Noxus like yeah. probably points to that. She is yeah. so <laughs> fucking hot. So if that ruination cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> came out in 2010 Katarina would have been the one yeah. fighting fucking ruined Darius yeah. or whatever absolutely so. and Darius would have stabbed his axe between her legs she would have done a split to dodge it <laughs> fuck they yeah they did that already John they did that already. they've done it more than what's called a callback okay <laughs> yeah I, it's interesting that they're like insisting on keeping the Cassiopeia relationship because they're not building on it at all. That could be another thing to make her more interesting if they didn't want to mm-hmm. throw the romance back in. Although that would just throw a wrench in both of their stories so much. The fact that they, you know, fall in love with each other would be great. But they could both use a wrench. Uh, they really could. I mean, I guess <laughs> yeah. Garen does have one. He's like, you know, with Lux and everything where we left Garen off him like letting the mages escape while his bestie decided he wanted them all dead. <laughs> that was a good wrench. I'll give him that. But I, I like I'm trying to imagine how Cassiopeia entering the picture would make it more interesting and I can't because neither of them are interesting at all. <laughs> like I don't there's nothing else there. I don't know. Yeah. It's it feels a bit like maybe they're kind of weighed down by it. Like in an ideal world if Katarina came out this year or whatever, her A, she would probably be designed in a more interesting way, and B, her bio would not have that relationship, likely. It's just a a trapping from old lore that would be weird to drop, I think. I think people who are invested in legal lore for a long time, Mm -hmm. they want to see those things come to 
a meaningful conclusion. I right? would like, like to as well. But. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but sometimes I think Riot needs to be willing to drop the dead weight a little bit. Mm. But Or be willing to invest just a, a slight amount of attention to it. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's also true. They could just try. <laughs> uh, do we want to do the short story then? The... Let's do it. Who wants to handle Name of the Blade? I mean... I don't have much notes for this because it's really a Talon story. Um, it's we get yeah. just kind of like his perspective seeing Katarina. Um, I mean, I, the the quick summary is yeah, it's Talon watching Katarina kill someone, and then a bit of a flashback to their their fight um, where she got her cool iconic facial scar, and <laughs> um, and and you know we this is like yeah the reveal of oh it was Talon it was Talon everybody shocker uh, mm-hmm. who was sent after her and kind of how yeah, that I resolved. Didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry. I did I mean, realize. That... I did realize it was him kind of fast, which I was a little proud of myself for that one because the reveal doesn't really come till the end when Katarina asks his name and he eventually is like, oh, "I had a name once, Talon," and mm. then I was like, "Oh, I new bitch." But yeah, <laughs> the, it is his mostly from Talon's point of view. He he thought the face cutting was going to kill her but it didn't so then he's like well now I don't deserve to kill her which was weird. <laughs> well there was two things oh, the okay. face cutting failed and then sure. they were fighting and he had another opportunity to kill her and, and then he, he didn't, didn't take, take it. it. So he was like I guess I'm just the same as her now. I passed up my opportunity to kill her even though I had the opening so I mean it'd be hypocritical of me now to kill her for failing her opportunity to kill <laughs> you know one of those like weird weird circular assassin logics yeah. I, I you follow of... a rigid code of honor that... <laughs> I kind of liked this story about yeah. just like in terms of Talon because it makes Talon Talon comes off like a weirdo like you're saying yeah. and I kind of <laughs> like it weirdo. <laughs> it's like yeah this is a little more interesting it makes me more excited to get the Talon um, I was also very excited especially because they talk about something like um when he, the reason his first blade killed was because, you know, he he told the blade to, like, kill her, and it didn't. And he was very mm. surprised about that. He was like, wait wait a minute, I said the word, and it didn't do it. And he was very confused. And I know nothing about Talon, necessarily. So I'm real curious if this is just, like, some psychosis he has where he thinks he can make things happen by saying oh. it, or whether, like, this is actual some magical bullshit he's got where he just <laughs> <He's got> sentient <laughs> blades. tells his blades to kill shit and stands back and lets them do their work. Hmm. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool little detail. Like I said, he comes off pretty neat. And that's also where we learn that, like, he named the blade Katarina for when he gets a, oh, a yeah. call to kill her again. But for the most part, there's not much for Kat. It's, I think the little things we learn are, like, she fights kind of in the style that she was taught, but also kind of lets her own emotions kind of take hold and she breaks form and tra- tradition i guess sometimes but I know, is there anything else of, of note yeah no. i think most of my notes were also just about her fighting style mm. um and i i did actually like getting this whole scene from this perspective and then from a different perspective in the next story um because from talent's perspective what he sees is she is um, occasionally following the doctrines, but then she's too emotional and she lets her arrogance or, or rage or passion take over and um, gets sloppy. Um, which, mm. when we see this story again from inside Katarina's head, we kind of see what's actually happening there, which mm. is, it was pretty neat. I liked that. Yeah, I think in that context, it makes this more interesting. Or seeing the two side by side a bit more interesting. In this one... In this one, does he describe her doing her sh- her leap, her shunpo? I don't remember. I don't think he does. 
I was curious because I feel like that's something that if you're listening, you might have noticed that there's like no mention of that at all in her bio. <laughs> and it's never like gets any sort of reasonable explanation anywhere as far as I can tell. Yeah. It's and, and like I was thinking back to older champions too to think like I, it stuck out a lot with Katarina. And I don't know why it stuck out so much with Katarina because I think other champions have like vaguely magical things they do that are that aren't necessarily addressed. Um but for some reason, the fact that Katarina's whole shtick is like teleporting and no one ever addresses <laughs> where the fuck that came from. Just like, oh, she's just a normal girl. Oh, also she can teleport. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> they just decided that I mean that's not something in the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine if it's like there's not space here, but like you said, it's a pretty major thing. And I think it makes her interesting, like you said, to watch fight. Makes her I liked the shorts this this next short story actually. The action piece was kind of fun mostly because of that. Um so it could warrant like a little bit of like just enough, right? I don't need the full deep lore, although I wouldn't mind it because that's what this this shit is, but you know, <laughs> just a quick thing would be nice, I guess. Yeah. A crumb, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry, Ryan. <laughs> Father Rito, please. Right. We want some lore. <laughs> um, do we want to do the, the other short story? I really skimmed this one. I have trouble with action pieces. And, like, I don't even find action scenes that fun to watch a lot of the times, with some exceptions. So mm-hmm. reading it, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I, I wrote the summary yeah. right down on this one. Um mm-hmm. It's called Message on a Blade's Edge uh, by Michael Yishal, like you said. Uh, it's from Kat's perspective. She is in the middle of she's carrying out an assassination, and it's against the Noxian house that is rebelling against you know Swain's coup and the Triferics. And you know she's 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 very uh, skilled. We kind of see throughout this, right? She's kind of cornered by like over a dozen soldiers and just starts sort of fighting them off expertly. Um, and during the fight, she's using her shunpo. She calls it a leap she doesn't ever use the word shunpo and i think i have an idea as to why but you know maybe i'm wrong and regardless she's fighting kind of killing off these guards left and right and eventually her her mark shows up and she uses her her shunpo slash leap to decapitate the uh the noble house head and um this is also where we learn that she's delivering she's doing it on at the behest of swain and so this is where we learn that she has kind of allied with swain and the the coup I guess we kind of figured that out at the start too, but you know, here's where we kind of get it solidly. And, um, and I guess the only other thing is like the whole time her, her father's voice is kind of going in her head like, Oh, make sure to do this. Like, don't get cornered, blah, blah, blah. Um, and at the end it's like, Oh, don't attack your target, you know, head on in the open. And she like intentionally defies it. And is sort of, sort of cast off a lot of the things that we saw in the bio. Where she's like, I don't really give a fuck. I'm the will of Noxus. I'm going to do my fucking shit. And that's, that's kind of where it ends. You know, she's going to fight off the rest of the guards. Yeah. I find the idea of her deciding to kind of look up to Swain instead is kind of interesting, but it's not explored really because she's mm-hmm. very loyal to her father and very suddenly here she's not. She's now defying him, uh, you know, in Swain's name. So can I, think, I get more of that, please? <laughs> I think she was yeah. more loyal to noxus than she was to her of father course, because even in yeah. the original bio she had mentioned i think if i remember correctly the fact that when she like um i mean she would have just straight up killed her dad uh <laughs> as a punishment for sending an assassin after her 
But she was like, nah, it was probably the right choice. I did fuck up. Like, I I messed up for Noxus. Like, I get it. I would have done the same thing in your shoes. But, like, she didn't seem beyond just murdering her dad for that. So, <laughs> Yeah. I still I still do feel like there is a, a good chunk of development sort of that's happened off screen between this and, and where it felt like the bio was kind of left off. Because it seemed like in the bio she was kind of on like an aspirational like, I'm going to redeem myself and I'm going to become the, the weapon that Noxus needed me to be. And here she seems to be kind of like, you know, she's in her element thriving, you know, etc. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see some of that happen. I think another issue is that because we don't see a lot of what went on with her and her dad we don't really know the nature of that relationship like it might come off as though she's like i don't care and it says that she would have killed him but maybe maybe they're you know she's still see like not secretly but maybe even subconsciously does have like an uh, an affection or maybe not maybe it was completely you know stone cold emotionless right it, it'd be nice to see some of that to have a better understanding of it i would say but um as i was reading this story too it it occurred to me that like Noxus, I think more than a lot of other regions, seems like super Naruto to me. Like, <laughs> what makes you say that? <laughs> so there, there are a lot of like normal ass people who are hella strong and like don't have any magic, but are still like super powerful just by nature of like training nonstop. But then there are also just like just casual, uh, you know, just casual magic users just kind of doing the same jobs that these normal people are doing anyway, and it's never really. It's never really addressed as, uh, you know, like, oh, this is out of place or even, like, extraordinary. This is just something that, this is something that people do here. Hmm. Interesting. I've never really watched much Naruto, um, <laughs> but it's an interesting conceit, and it does kind of line up with, with Noxus, right? So it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fun to see, it, I guess. So who's the Runeterra Naruto? Um, Sasuke. <laughs> That's a big, that's a big <laughs> Those are the two characters we yeah, know from Naruto. I know those names. <laughs> and John made me watch quite a bit of Naruto, actually. <laughs> I don't think we have a... I don't think we have a Rune Terra Naruto. But he's a fox, right? So is he just Ori? <laughs> I mean, thematically, yeah. But the thing is that he would have to be... He would have to be someone who kind of sucked but was also powerful enough to defeat whatever the biggest threat to the world mm. there is and I don't know if we have one of those yet just some everyday person who you know can single handedly fight the void I think that's like Helmet Bro Helmet Bro is fucking Naruto <laughs> Helmet Bro is Naruto <laughs> you know that's he fair. does the clone jutsu that's why there's so fucking many of them <laughs> see I know a thing or two oh shit <laughs> I've seen an episode of Naruto I All know right. what's going on well this is this is some um, headcanon we're gonna have to explore in our Helmet Bro episode <laughs> yeah definitely but um Back to this. I, I I liked this. This was a fun little action piece. I think what I liked about it was that it was kind of visceral. Like, when you've got a character who's, like, getting up close and stabbing people, it's nice to have, like, talk about cutting ankle tendons and, like, cutting people's heads off and putting daggers into faces. It's like, I like it nice and grisly. And if you're going to have someone who fights that way, you know, I'd like it nice and grisly. So. Show me that yeah. sweet decapitation. <laughs> it, had a, yeah. it definitely had a more explicit 
X-Men 2 vibe to it. Like the opening scene <laughs> from X-Men 2 with Nightcrawler. Like if that movie weren't PG-13, this is what that opening scene would have been like. What a very specific. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> I, I get it though. Like you're saying it and I, I get it, you know? Yeah. If you haven't seen X-Men 2, you should watch the opening scene with Nightcrawler. It's the only scene in the movie you have to watch because it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> I mean, X-Men 2 is okay. Oh, it's a good movie. I just really It like... doesn't get better than that opening scene. <laughs> I just love Nightcrawler though. Yeah. He was my favorite in X-Men Evolution. He was the best. And he, and he sounds like Victor, so <laughs> <That's> double. <laughs> but how Arcane is Victor. Game. Man. Um, yeah, another I, thing um... I did like about this story, I talked a bit about how we saw Talon's perception of this fight going, where he was like, oh, Katarina is so overcome by emotion that she's forgetting her lessons. Whereas when we see this from Katarina's perspective, those lessons are running through her head the entire time, and she is making a conscious decision to like, hey, there's this one. Fuck that lesson, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she didn't have like a teenage rebellion stage, so she's doing it now. You know. You know that's. I wish that maybe they honed in on that more because that could be kind of a, a, a more interesting character to spend a little time with. Um, but you know. I, I do agree that like um, oh I'm sorry my mind just completely went blank. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> sorry. I agree on something unknown. Something or other. I don't know. Is it about Naruto again? <laughs> no, it's not about Naruto. Oh. Um, not this time. <laughs> although okay, so earlier I said she doesn't call it Shunpo ever. She's always calling oh, it yeah. I, I leap. Um, and I wondered at this because I, I was like, okay, I've, I know Shunpo from from League. Is that like an actual word? Was that from? And when I was googling it, it kept pulling up bleach. Um, the anime. So oh. <laughs> I wonder if it was something that, I mean, the 2009 League, they probably just were like, oh, and in and, and Bleach, I guess I should also say it gives someone the ability to like instantly move from one space to another. So I wonder if this is like a, like a, just a direct, like, hey, that's a cool thing. That's Katarina's thing now. That, she does yeah, a that's shampoo. ours. <laughs> I came up with I, I made this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so they're like, curious, hey, actually. Um, let's, let's call it leap. Let's call it something else, right? <laughs> People are going to catch on now. <laughs> yeah, blowing the fucking conspiracy wide open. It just was, it was a little weird, right? That she wouldn't call it that because it's a very specific word, right? And I yeah. never heard it outside of the context of the game. So, like, it feels like something that's just made up because maybe it is, but just not from Runeterra. Um <laughs> From an but end. I will say the, her having the shampoo was a lot of fun. I, I I agree that as the, the scene goes on, you it is you start to really lose track of the kind of geometry of it. It's like cause she's just bouncing all over the fucking place. It's like I don't really know where she's at. But when it starts, it it is used pretty effectively, and she does it in some kind of interesting ways. Like she'll she like throw a blade and then like blink to it and use the momentum of the blink to like drive it home. Like that's pretty fucking cool. I like that. Yeah. That's a neat way of using it. Um, it's very uh. I mean, this is actually what made me think of Naruto originally, is because this power is literally what Naruto's dad had. He would throw blades and then teleport to the. He could teleport to anywhere where his blades were. Um, yeah. But it it definitely has like the way she was using them definitely has a very uh, almost portal vibe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It cre- again creative, creative, right? You know, it's instead of just like oh, I'll just teleport to dodge hits, which she does, it's kind of like doing it in such a way that causes people's people's faces to have morning stars put through them, and just all <laughs> sorts of shit, you know? It's it's a little more interesting. I think something that you mentioned is that she does seem to specifically blink to the daggers. So if we were trying to, like, tinfoil as to where she's getting this, it's probably not an innate thing, maybe something specific to those weapons? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. 
but mm-hmm. I do like at the end at the end of this story when she mentioned she she shunned Poe away so that you know one of that one of her targets guards ended up like spearing her through the chest I was like oh that's cool she got like she got her one of her followers to kill her but then you find out that no she already had her target's head when she did that this was just fucking like <laughs> she's already dead but stab her anyway fuck you <laughs> she was kind of styling on him I mean doing the full decapitation it's that's the next level a little bit yeah that's a sharp ass blade it's a straight sharp ass dagger it's not serrated oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like you'd have to do a little sawing right you can't just uh, once yeah. that woman had a tiny fucking neck like fucking guillotine you know <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't make for as fun a story to read, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> she and then she spent really the next pop- five and a half minutes. <laughs> One, of my really favorite books. In there. <laughs> One of my favorite books starts with an assassin sawing a guy's head off in bed. <laughs> anyway. Cute. Yeah. All right, That's you got some old it. lore for us, John? God, do I. Uh, I read okay, through these, so. too. So I'm going to sit back. I'll then. start with the bio. <laughs> She's got a pretty short bio. I'll just read the bio for you. Of course. And this is, yeah, okay, so yeah. I can look at it. I'm looking at it, though. It's still longer than a Heimerdinger. Still longer than a Heimerdinger. <laughs> <laughs> the blade mistress of Noxus is like a black widow, beautiful but deadly. Uh, Many of the noble daughters of Noxus are content to live their decadent lives of privilege. Uh, Not so with Katarina, daughter of the feared Noxian general Du Couteau. The girl was always more interested in her father's blades than in the dresses her sisters spent so much time fussing over. She's Literally, not like she's girls. not like other girls. That's what they this is the most basic... Man, I didn't think Katarina could get worse. Her father, ever the opportunist, happily fostered her bloodlust. Katarina was trained by the finest warriors under her father's command, and once she bested them, by Noxus's most lethal assassins. The ruthless woman first cut her teeth performing covert missions in the Ionian War, but the challenge of such engagements was simply not enough to sate her ambitions. Katarina wanted not only to be deadly, she wanted to be feared and adored. The League of <laughs> Legends called, and Katarina eagerly answered. Oh, that's great. This is bad. I'm really glad they changed this because I hate the idea that, like, Noxian women just kind of sit around in dresses. That is right. not Noxus at all. Noxus. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really highlights how much more interesting Noxus is now than it was yep. because they were always such, you know, classic evil empire and there had not much <laughs> going on. And it's it's so much more interesting to have them not do this shit. What I find interesting in some of the other bios is that they, they all seem to kind of keep this idea, maybe not this one, of like, at least the second and third iterations kind of kept this idea of she went out on a job, fucked it up because of some sort of arrogance and, you know, in some way got a scar. Sometimes it was like fighting her way out. Sometimes she went back to kill that guy. Um, I found that interesting. These little pieces that kind of persist through the, the ages, you know? Mm -hmm. Now she's also in the journal of justice. How many times is she in in the journal of justice? She's in the journal of justice a lot. (laughs) There are, 14 issues, technically 15, but 14 worth mentioning in the Journal of Justice. Now, for context, there are only 31 issues of the Journal of Justice. She's in almost, well, she's in, yeah, almost half of them. Yeah, I, I went through and read these too. It's, okay, I mean, my read on it is that she's essentially the Noxus PR person, right? She's, she's always giving <laughs> statements. Yes, she has so many statements. <laughs> She's whenever anything's happening with Noxus, she is the one who like gets on the podium. Is like, all right, so 
Here's what Noxus has to say about this shit. It's always and this Catalina. is why it's Demacia's fault. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna give a quick rundown of her her appearances. So she starts out right away, issue one. There's a Demacian trade ship attacked on its way back to Demacia from the Freljord, and magic, which is described as above the maximum allowed potency and necromancy, was used in the attack. And as only Noxus and Zahn really practiced necromancy, they both kind of spoke up to deny the attack. Though Katarina says, Demacia's continued strong-arm trade tactics are reaping the rotten fruits from seeds they have sown for countless years. So, you know, doesn't make you sound guilty, Cat. <laughs> Uh, and then straight up following that, issue two, there's a uh, supposed leak of a document from Noxus's Witherwood Arcane College urging the High Command to ban Yordles from Noxus to avoid contamination. Uh, they claimed all non-human citizens of Runeterra are deformed descendants of ancient humans, and the deformation was the result of the tribes failing to use sufficient quantities of magic in their development while civilized human civilizations kept better control of the mystic energies and retained their human purity. Uh, so Katarina got on the mic to deny that this report ever existed and said... Hot you know, on the mic. <laughs> hot on the mic. Uh, Noxus has always treated every contributing member as fairly as they deserve. Really, would any Noxian official ever leak such an absurd story to the news? Or expect to live if he did? Instead of repeating obvious Demacian lies... Any Yordles afraid their people are being mistreated in Noxus should sign up for our Northern Barbarian Pacification Campaign to remind us how clever those little hands are in aiming a weapon. Yeah. She's a... This is like... This is what I'm talking about with, like, Noxus being just like, ooh, we're assholes. They just love it. They fucking love being dicks. Right? Right. There's no, uh, nothing. This is also the art, or the issue where Katarina... Um, is said to have led a mission to recover Scion's remains from a Demacian battle. Yeah. Or from I think, Demacia. I, sus- I wonder, I, I'd have to see like what other Noxus champions were floating around because I wonder if the reason she is always the one doing the, the, the press junkets is because like she is, you know, you got Scion who's just a weird goofy zombie at the time. Like she's the one who's probably the most Noxus like normal human. Does that make sense? Like before Darius shows up. Yeah, this was pre-Darius, so yeah. he's the new Noxus poster child, but... Because I don't know if there were that many floating around, to be honest. Yeah, I could there were a lot. Or it would be people you wouldn't expect, like, maybe Morgana, I would guess, is, like, maybe related to old Noxus and old lore, because she's just kind of evil-looking, evil, so. right? <laughs> so. Now, it shows up again, issue five, after Ash and Trindamir are married and unify the Freljord... They re- uh, the Freljord received sovereignty from the League, and Noxus is forced to stop their barbarian pacification campaign. Uh, Katarina says, Noxus abides by the rules of the League, for we are truly noble. But we haven't forgotten the offenses perpetrated by those barbarian swine. If the new Freljord's courage matches its insolence, I can be found on behalf of Noxus on the fields of justice. Waiting. <laughs> She's very. She's also very pro wrestler. As you're saying these, <laughs> you can find me tonight, you know, at Sunday Super Slam or whatever. If you want, Ash, I'm calling you out. You know, like that type of shit, right? <laughs> I love it. She's a good heel. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, 
Uh, now she shows up in issue six, where there's a huge brawl in Kalamanda in a Kalamanda tavern between the Noxians and Demacians, and Garen and Katarina <laughs> have to break it up. Noxian Demacians. Noxian Demacian. <laughs> Uh, and she also shows up in this issue in the mailbag of justice. Ooh. Someone asks how League can accept champions that are in open rivalry with one another, like Katarina and Garen. So they explain that summoning magic doesn't allow someone to harm a teammate on the fields of justice. But for special matches, such as ones where two city-states are resolving conflicts, summoners can only choose champions from that city-state or neutral champs. I'm just like, you know a bunch of fucking people wrote in and be like why would Katarina and Garen fight on the same team and then they had to put this out (laughs) yeah in that explanation they're like you know normally it's just summoners conducting business I'm like what the fuck business is is going (laughs) on right crazy ass business that's when, and that's when I realized the Institute of War never made sense anyway, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, like yeah. if we're trying to it's actually explain what's happening, why, like, what the fuck is happening? Why are they constantly having these battles over things that don't matter? I don't know. Yeah. Wild. Anyway. Shocking revelation, right? Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in issue seven, that's the one where Lee Sin sets himself on fire to protest the Noxian occupation in Ionia, to which Katarina responds... Our presence in Ionia is good for the people. Their economic state is not ready to deal with the rest of Terran or to deal with the rest of Valoran. <laughs> Their practices are outdated. Theirs is the domain of sad old men who believe the world should not progress past them. This incident is a tragedy, but it's not a statement on behalf of the Ionian people. It's a statement by those who are unwilling to embrace the future. It had kind I, of I, Jace, Jace vibes, kicking Heimerdinger off the council. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Can I just say it was really, it was really funny that you were saying Runeterra instead of Valoran. It's like, oh, I know. I was copying this quote from the wiki, and any time that they have like, if you copy something that has an icon associated with it, they give you like the name of the icon when you paste it. Mm-hmm. So what it actually says is, which the rest of Runeterra map profile icon dot PNG Valorant. <laughs> <I> love- <laughs> That's my favorite fantasy world. <laughs> uh, issue eight, we get a behind the scenes look at the lives of League champions, which show that Katarina is looking to put together a pirate crew. Now, this was just basically an advertisement <laughs> for Bilgewater Katarina. This was the Thanks, stupidest Ryan. shit. It was some I real dumb about shit. <laughs> But yeah, great, awesome. Sure, fuck it, right? Yeah. And issue 10, this is where Ionia's allowed the rematch against Noxus for their independence. Karma gives a big speech, which wrapped up with the quote, One more thing, should Noxus wish to surrender before the match, we will absolutely be willing to negotiate the terms. To which Katarina responds, It's nice to see that when granted an opportunity to save their beloved monk and achieve their independence from oppression... Ionia responds with open sarcasm and disdain. I will enjoy crossing blades with you on the fields of justice. And karma, if you ever tire of hiding behind your podium, I'll be happy to carve out some time for a visit. In the hell in the cell match, man. <laughs> this bitch has been on the podium so many times already. Right? What is she talking about? She's karma act- just on the podium. Right. Yeah, I know. She's Karma's saying it in, like, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well... Mm. Now, issue 11 is when General Ducouteau vanishes, but Katarina can't look into it because she's on the roster and the poster for the official Noxus Ionia <laughs> rematch. 
Uh, and then issue 12, another mailbag of justice. Somebody asks if Katarina and Cassiopeia are full-blood relatives or just half-sisters. So it's explained that they are full-blood, but Cass was changed. And further questions are unwelcome at this time. <laughs> I like how you accidentally wrote Cassiopeia with a K here. Yeah, it was very Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Everybody Cass. gets a K. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, issue 14. An earthquake causes a mine to collapse in Kalamanda under suspicious circumstances. Katarina replies, Our well wishes go out to the miners who are currently fighting for their lives in the collapsed lodestone mine. Such business is dangerous, especially when companies may be tempted to risk the lives of others in unsafe working environments. In the future, Noxus would be willing to share the expert safety practices of Noxian mining operations with the other city-states working in Kalamanda. This one's fun, but mostly for the next thing that happens. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, uh, okay, so there's two things. Two things. In this. So the first thing that happens in the next issue, well, issue 17. Ah, fuck it. We'll actually start with the response. So there's another mailbag of justice where somebody calls out Kat for this specific reply, like really calls her out. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets vicious. It gets vicious. It gets catty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So her reply to this catty call-out is, uh, I do enjoy it when men like you draw lines in the sand, Mr. Vortu. There's nothing quite as satisfying as watching the smugness drain from your faces when you realize you've picked a fight you shouldn't have. I do not offer our mining practices to you, and I will refrain from nothing. If I were to leash anyone to poles like dogs, we would not start with Noxians. Judging by your demeanor, I suspect I might have one of your family members lashed to a pole outside right now. If you'd like to earn the privilege to learn about Noxian mining procedures, please visit Dukuto Manor, and I'll be certain you find your way to the mines. So what I wondered about this was the mailbag of justice. Are these things that players actually wrote, or were they kind of like amalgams of things that people asked? They were actual things that players wrote, yeah. Mm. Dope. I wonder if that guy's still playing and how it feels to have like some writer <laughs> have to sit down like, eh, what we can't say here. Really just right? stick it to this Let me guy. Let end this person's career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. The other exciting thing that happened in this episode is we get introduced to Blitzcrank's Fleshling Dating Service. Mm. Blitz starts a dating service that uses equations and magic to pair people up, and he builds several pairing eligibility reactors of Valoran, or PERV for short. <laughs> Great. And, uh, <laughs> and he matches up uh, Katarina oh. with Garen. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know what? I'll give it to him. Yeah. Ah, uh, now she's in three more issues. Twenty-five. <laughs> Borum Darkwill has died, and people are fighting about who gets to take over: his son or someone else. This causes Katarina and Cass to push for the investigation of their father's disappearance again, because as Cat says, "If my father were here today, he would stand the undisputed successor to Darkwill." It's too great a coincidence to ignore that the two most powerful men in Noxus have been removed from their positions in so short a time span. It is suspicious, Cat. Good catch. <laughs> it honestly is. It's the thing about Swain is that they paint him as some like master like tactician planner. I mean, he does shit that's like the most obvious shit, and no one ever calls him out. That's the real. Right. That's the real thing, right? <laughs> in the old lore, anyway. And then issue thirty is when Jarvin the Fourth, maybe 
This is post-potential swap with LeBlanc. And Katerina come forward with evidence implicating the Institute of War of Conspiracy. At first, people thought that Kat was trying to kill Jarvin and tried to attack her, but Garen got in their way to defend her. Uh, so the two of them found documents showing that the Institute had been pitting Noxus and Damasia against each other in Kalamanda the whole time. <gasps> oh, uh. yeah. <laughs> mm. And then finally, the final episode, issue 31, Katarina and Talon return to Noxus just in time to see Swain be coronated the new Grand General. She says, He gave Kalamanda to the League in exchange for power in Noxus. A bold move. A strong move. The strong may rise to power here, but this wouldn't be Noxus if there weren't always others with the strength to challenge them. Um, in this issue also, Katarina and Jarvin also arrest the Journal of Justice senior editor for conspiracy for pitting them against each other so the League could claim the nexuses of Kalamanda. They got arrested thus, for making that perp joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thus ends the Journal of Justice. Yay, yeah. good job. That was a lot for you. That was a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pee my pants, so I'll be go right back. It. To go to the bathroom and the toilet, not to pee my pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she's peeing her pants. Yeah, she didn't even go to the it. toilet. Oh. <laughs> okay. I changed my pants. <laughs> well, she god. didn't. She's wearing the say. same messy pants. <laughs> <laughs> you have no sense of smell anyway. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> huh. All right. Now, Katarina is part of several cinematics <laughs> before they decided they didn't want her in them anymore <laughs> yeah she's old news real quick yeah. can i say about the journal oh, yeah, of justice yeah. mm. i just find it interesting how she used to be like really hate swain and now she's best buds with him and she used to really like her dad and now she doesn't like him and yeah. talon she used to bro it up with talon it seemed like a little bit mm. i wonder if they're gonna throw anything in uh with her and talon Maybe. Just any kind of connection. I don't know. Because Talon seems like really interested in her. Not necessarily in a romantic way. Just as like a person. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's just funny to me the way they inversed so many things. Yeah. <laughs> but on to the videos. Now, uh, most importantly, to start it off, she's in the Ignite music video. John. Or more accurately, a pop cap of her <laughs> is hey. uh, at the very end of the movie. Or at the very end of the cinematic. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? So she's in the <laughs> Mac Client launch. There's a picture of Katarina on a desk John. in the office. <laughs> There's also an I Love Earth cup that we missed in our Earth episode. Mm. So sorry, folks. For all of our Patreons out there who paid good money to get every Earth reference, right? we missed a few. <laughs> every fucking single one. Um, now she's also in a New Dawn this is kind of one of the early cinematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this video, Katarina fires a few warning shots at Arya and Leona instead of just outright killing them, and then leads them on a chase with the ultimate goal being a sneak attack where Darius and Draven um, were trying to kill them. Seems a bit uh, unnecessary. Seems like she probably could have just used the element of surprise to murder the two of them, but yeah. you do you, Katarina. Yeah. It's the Solari it's it's the aspect of the sun, man. You can't one v two. So then, when the big melee breaks out, she escapes into the jungle and she's going to try and get a sneak kill on Graves. But she is sneak attacked by Rengar and gets that classic almost stabbed, but does a split instead, and then <laughs> kicks his weapon away. Uh, she escapes him, but lands directly in front of Graves and is promptly executed off screen. 
I remember this coming out and it being like a big deal because it was the first cinematic that looked like not like Garbo mm. <laughs> to put it nicely I guess it's pretty good like Twist of Fate looked okay but like this was a big step up from Twist of Fate and yeah. like you know told kind of a, a beginning to end story instead of being mm-hmm. you know just a bunch of vignettes Yeah, I think yeah I think that and also I think this was the first time they started getting into the idea of like we're gonna have these characters emote like very like you know graves i know they, that was a big thing they emphasized oh, yeah. even without dialogue it was like we want to be able to really communicate like draven and graves and that's why you've got a lot of these close-ups of faces of them kind of showing off yeah. a lot of personality right mm-hmm. it was effective yeah i liked it a lot yeah for sure uh now she was also in a twist of fate where uh cat and garen are fighting and she's using her superior mobility but garen has brute strength and knocks her through the floor of a building and then right before he's about to uh, execute her while she's unconscious, which, <laughs> excuse me, Garen, what the fuck? Not very Garen of him. <laughs> uh, uh, Demon Blade Trindamir intercepts his blade and punishes him by punching him through a wall. You, so you didn't write that, John. You wrote punishes him real good. Yeah, but it sounded <laughs> a little too sexy as I read it back, so I altered yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I would like that fanfic. <laughs> I'm so glad we have you there to look at his notes. Help help fix this shit. Yep. <laughs> you had it right the first time, hon. Go with your gut. <laughs> now, she's also part of the Enemy of My Enemy cinematic, which was an unreleased cinematic. Oh. Um, where Katarina gets captured by Garen. Uh, he chains her to himself oh, so rawr. he can take her back to... <laughs> Demacia, and on their way back there, uh, Katarina tries to strangle with strangle Garen with the restraints, but they're interrupted by a giant monster. And since they're chained together, they have to work together to escape. Cat um, is injured at one point, and Garen says, "You're bleeding," and she responds, "And you're an asshole. Everyone's got problems." <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't this released? <laughs> That's a good I question. Loved. That's some good banter. <laughs> some good hate to love banter. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she passes out. Um, when she wakes up, Garen has bandaged her. Um, but when she wakes up, he wants to wait for his soldiers to find them. And she wants to try and sneak away because the monster hasn't left them yet. They're just still just kind of hiding from it. Um, unfortunately, they're fighting about whether they should hide or run. Brings the monster back. Uh, they do manage to escape up a wall, uh, but it ends up in a situation where Katarina's clinging to a tree, hanging from the side of a mountain, and is holding up all of Garen's weight on the chain. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the chain holding them just breaks, <laughs> and Garen falls. I'm pretty uh, sure her, like, arm would dislocate before that it, She certainly looked in pain in the yeah. screenshot. Looked a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, So Katarina starts to climb the rest of the way out to safety, but then the monster is now attacking Garen, so she jumps down, and they work together to slay the monster. And then while relaxing in the aftermath, Katarina pins Garen to a tree via his shackle chain with one of her daggers. And it's worth noting that even even in the screenshot of this, Garen could very easily have just pulled the dagger out of the tree here, but decides to just kind of sit there and let her get away, because, you know... He <laughs> He's a soft touch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'd be, I'd be interested to see more about why this didn't get released because it's just like a lot of stills and then like a small animated piece. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if maybe maybe the production was just like prohibitively like laborious. You know, maybe. it's like this is gonna take us four, this will take us six years to get <laughs> to get out. <laughs> no one would know. wait six years. <laughs> 
but um, um, but yeah, I like the idea a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was, to me... this was actually this was probably this did probably have direct ties into um, Arcane because I know that one of the goals of this entire cinematic was creating a cinematic that was more geared for their um, you know kind of eighteen to thirty year old crowd. So it was an adult themed cinematic which they mm. hadn't really done like they mm. had fighting before but never really like you know they, no one ever said asshole yeah. right so th- this was probably like a, a pilot test for mm. for arcane so if yeah. it was thank you we appreciate what you did for us <laughs> yeah it crawled so that arcane could run you know or whatever <laughs> i was just gonna say to me this is kind of like this is the best like example of what Katarina could be in terms of like you know becoming an actual character and and having something interesting going on with her. Um, yeah. So it'd be nice yeah. to you know really do it, Riot. Come on, pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, I will say like there's there's no there's no there's like a little bit of audio in the actual cinematic portion, not a whole lot. Other than that, it's just still frames. But we definitely get more character out of Katarina in these still frames than like all of her stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's part of three more cinematics. The Welcome to League of Legends cinematic, which is the original League cinematic, other than like the launch trailer. Oh, um, this Fuck is yeah, yeah. It, it prominently features summoners, um, and this is the music that made me fall in love with the game in the first place and want to join Riot. The mm. o- the OG like League theme. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. I wonder what the name is like for that. Champions, like I think it was um, Summoners Call. Is that summoners what it's called? Call. I think. Mm. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Is that what they played, like, the season two worlds? They did a remix of it. They did it. a remix of it. Yeah, and it was It made you very amazing. emotional. It did. God. <laughs> I God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my. oh, no. So you're... good. When they brought I'm in having... the whole orchestra to... Yeah. Season so, two worlds was good, flashbacks. Dude. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think that... Honestly, that was the smallest one that I went to. We went to a few world finals, but that, I think, was still, like, the most hyped one, like, the most exciting, because it was such a step up from season one, which I didn't see. Yeah. I just heard about was not a world finals it was like two regions yeah it was it was two <laughs> regions it what i mean we didn't have our own tournament for season one world finals it was just um it was at another big tournament where a, oh, other, yeah. a bunch of other games were happening too um this was the this was season two is the first year that we had our own dedicated world finals mm-hmm. and and then a wild card team one yeah it was like the, yeah man it's taipei right? taipei yeah. assassins yeah. beating korea in the finals yeah i mean korea only had the game for like four months but they were still better than everybody still, you know, <laughs> time works differently over there man when it comes to league anyway yeah yeah anyway. It's kind of, yeah i oh, go ahead. i could go down a nostalgia rabbit hole but i'll try not to <laughs> so yeah in this cinematic katarina fights master yi and then shows up at the end for a final climactic showdown that was the beginning the very beginning of Riot pausing their cinematics right before a big fight was about to start. <laughs> also, I have a note here because I, I've seen the cinematic a ton of times and I literally never noticed this until right now. If you watch the Welcome to League of Legends cinematic, fast forward to two minutes and three seconds and let me know what the hell is up with Ash's running animation. Uh, so she's in the background of that scene and she looks like it looks like they didn't have a running animation for her, so they took her walking animation and fast-forwarded it. It looks fucking ridiculous, because everyone around her is running, and she is walking hella fast. Is this like when they're all kind of, like, they're all, you know, posted up, and they're about to kind of run into the fight? Is that when it it's is? It's right before that. 
Okay. This is like after they've they've just finished fighting like a little skirmish, and the three of them are running to that big exciting climax. Um, it, the scene focuses on Rise in the in the you know foreground. Ash is just in the background. Um, oh my god! So I ma- can't even see her. So drawing. maybe they thought that like you wouldn't be able to notice, but oh, it looks ridiculous. Yeah, I um I I I bet you it's just like you said. There, she's just in the background. They're probably just like you know. I mean, this was like. I'm sure this was a really Herculean effort for Riot at the time to get this shit put together. <laughs> this level of CGI yes. for this long? Yeah, because this was yeah. before... I mean, this was well before they had, like, money. This was before they were a successful game by a long shot. Um, yeah. So, you know, they were working with what they had. Yeah, I guess it just looks like she's power walking. <laughs> and, and she's right next to Master Yi who's running <laughs> yeah she's doing she's got like a power stride going like she doesn't need to run queen i'm fine <laughs> i mean she's keeping up with everyone so <laughs> it does kind of look like you know you ever see like power walking people who are really serious about it and like there's specific rules about mm-hmm. i don't know bending legs i don't know what the rules are but i just know from like that one episode of malcolm in the middle i was gonna say is it like <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> when he got really, really into the power walking. Anyway, yeah. that's kind of what it looks like she's doing. Also, Malcolm in the Middle was a great show. <laughs> that's air. That's air. That's, you see that, Dewey? That's air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, we'll have to cut the this shit. The are so good. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> now, she's also in the Caesar in one blooper reel, number one. Now, these oh, are animated bloopers from the previous cinematic we just talked about. Uh, in this one, Yi is fighting Katarina, and when he's doing so, he's using his super goggles to zoom in on her boobs. Cool. Uh, so she walks up and kicks him in the balls. Nice. Classic. Classic Rito. This is some real 2002 <laughs> teen rom-com. I was going to say, I mean, it came out in 2010, but yeah, it's very like, boners. I got her underwear, <laughs> panty ray. <laughs> and also in the final climactic showdown at the end of this one, NASA splits the ground and everyone kind of trips. And they have a final animated panel that's made to look like an MS Paint drawing, very similar to what a player would send in mm. for free RP. In fact, I'm not convinced that this wasn't a picture that a player sent in for free RP. Well, I hope they got say- the full 50 or whatever, because goddamn. <laughs> I've definitely seen these now that you're kind of talking about them, and I didn't really remember. Yeah. This is these, yeah. these she, memories, man. Yeah. <laughs> and she shows up in the second blooper reel, too. Um, in this one, in the final showdown, Rise summons a ball, a tennis ball, and throws it to distract Nasus from the fight. And Cat is also there. Wow, thrilling stuff, hon. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go into AUs, let's talk about some quotes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Those things. Uh, let's do it quick because we're already over an hour. <laughs> I'm gonna take my time. Oh, Tom, I'm really hungry. <laughs> so here are a bunch of here are a bunch. Of, these are not cat quotes specifically, but here are a bunch of quotes from other people about cat. Specifically, Garen cat shipping. <laughs> uh, so Lux has one that says, "Cat and Garen sitting in a tree." And you better just be holding hands or I'm telling. Flux eight. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we've got the Tom Kench ones. Don't starve your heart, child. Let me deliver you to him. And you live by a code that'll never let you get what you want. 
let me take you to her. Those are her, you know, his quotes to Pat and Garen, respectively. Alawi, no love is impossible. My God demands you follow your desires. And honor, duty, ha! What your heart demands is all that matters. Jin says your finale will be a duet, and always, and also, uh, the always enchanting tale of star-crossed lovers. And Maokai says, stop carving words into my bark. Everyone knows G loves K. Hmm. <laughs> um, and that's not even touching on the Legend of Runeterra quotes that are more explicit about this relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It definitely doesn't seem like they're getting rid of it because, like, the old quotes, like, Lux and Maokai could understand, but, like, Tom Kench is new. Like, Alawi and Jin came out after Katarina's rework, so. Yeah. I don't know. They're adding them in on purpose, but also it's nowhere else. <laughs> so is it, like, just for funsies? To, like, a callback? I don't know. I think it's for funsies. I mean, I, I think it's something that Riot doesn't want to, like, put the kibosh on entirely, but mm. it's not on their priority list of things to deal with. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Whatever. It's maybe someday. I guess the void's here. <laughs> right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I also wanted to touch a bit on her old VO because it was, I it was uh, it was pretty good. I have a video. She did, sounds so fucking angry throughout she, all of it. You know she does, but I will say that to me this was not as signif- as severe as like old Jana. Old Jana was like not what as the severe fuck? as old Jana. <laughs> not nothing will ever compete with old that's Jana. Fair. That shit's gold. Maybe that's not this even one a, just a seems comparison. like someone was told to like growl a little bit into every quote yeah please make me hurt you violence solves everything (laughs) taste bitter defeat evil always wins ready to surrender (laughs) fear I smell it's like almost like sarcastic or like a little passive aggressive right (laughs) I didn't want to be in the recording booth that day. Oops. <laughs> Here's oh an ad. Um, but she also has a quote from back then called, Remember, evil spelled backwards is live. No coincidence. And I don't know what the what? fuck that's supposed to be. <laughs> you gotta live evilly. I, I guess because it's the inverse of, of living is evil. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No, Every I'm villain like is you gotta be you gotta be evil in order to live but also it could just like it's just a language it's just Katarina. a fun fact <laughs> <laughs> that's the Katarina fun fact hey did y'all know that evil spelled backwards is live makes you think huh right <laughs> <laughs> she has that stitch on a pillow in her room for sure <laughs> so eat pray love yeah I like that <laughs> She does her dagger point at night to, to relax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AUs, let's go. AU time. All right. So first off, she's part of Guardian of the Sands, where powerful guardians stand watch over the tomb of an ancient horror so that it may never threaten the world again, but they may already be too late. And this one's separated into guardians, spirits, ancient horrors, and tomb raiders. And she is a tomb raider. She also does not have special lore for this oh Uh oh okay i'm trying to find the Hmm. um this one is she's probably not called guardian of the sands i guess oh i know what this yeah i think this is just sandstorm okay this was this was one of those put it into the au's after the fact ones yeah Yeah. this is the one i love because her her i think her teddy's like all fucked up in it (laughs) (laughs) 
I was honestly just about to say something, Mark. Whenever I see it, I'm like, eh, something's did. gone wrong there. I mean, zoomed in, it looks fine, but like zoomed out, it just oh, looks yeah. weird. It looks like yeah, she has three almost. Something, something ain't right. That's you all. Get so much side boob from one bit, and then yes. you see the cleft over there. It, it definitely looks like she has three boobs. That boob ain't right. I'll tell you that much, man. <laughs> now she's also part of Lunar Revel. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That boob ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be my text message. So. I, want that, I want that to be carved on a pillow. <laughs> it was like something from High Noon. <laughs> the porn parody High Noon, yeah. <laughs> that boob ain't High Poon. High Poon. Hey, yeah. Now, Lunar Revel. Rival empires vie for power as they attempt to unify the lands, while brave warriors and stoic generals test their skills against the greatest heroes of the era. It is a time of war and a time of legends. Now this one is Warring Kingdoms Katarina. In open defiance of her clan, Katarina has left behind the life of a princess to hunt the greatest heroes of the Warring Kingdoms. Striking under shadow of night, she's slowly cutting her way through her foes, one general at a time. Hmm. Jesus Christ, she has so many skins. Yeah. She has a lot of skins. <laughs> Luckily, a lot so of them much. are so old that they don't have lore, but she yeah. still has a bunch of AUs. Yeah. Uh, now, she's also part of Project. Among the megastructures and packed streets of a future controlled by global corporations, a shadow war rages between rebellious augmented humans and newly empowered artificial beings. The winners will shape the course of history, and the losers will be forced to evolve. This one is Project Katarina. Once an ambitious lieutenant of the genetic the genetic rebellion, Katarina returned to the command line after a confrontation with Ash herself. Her hyper-edge daggers now serve Project once more, but those rebels who knew her still hold out hope that she fights for them from the inside. Mm, okay. I like the words hyper-edge. Maybe not. Hyper-edge yeah. is a fun word. It's <laughs> <laughs> also part of Battle Academia. Set in a world where champions go to school that cultivate the next generation of superheroes, and academies are built around the giant god weapons Amrita, Babylon, Durandal, Labrys, and Sharur. It's basically inspired by my hero academia. Um, so this is Battle Academy Katarina. Katarina is a rough-edged loner who stays far away from the politics of Durandal Academy. A second-year student with a chip on her shoulder, she's also a top member of the Assassin Club, the only club on campus allowed to kill opponents in school-sanctioned duels. <laughs> what the okay, hell? cool, cool. Yo, my school was boring as hell. <laughs> what happened to the club president? I see. And the vice president? Oh, that sounds tragic. Well, if you're, if you're that desperate, how can I say no? After years in the shadows, Katarina was the first club president to make assassins practice in broad daylight. After all, what good <coughs> was pulling off a great assassination if there was nobody to see it happen? Okay, interesting. I feel like that's almost a separate idea entirely from the battle academia part of that AU. Am I wrong? Like, just like you know, assassination high school, right? Type thing could just be its own <laughs> thing. I don't know. It, it could be its own thing. Yeah. Look but, at Ezreal in the background of her. <laughs> She's like it. thrown a blade at him and it's stuck in his book. <laughs> and he looks terrified. Take that, nerd. 
Uh, <clears throat> now, it's implied in this AU that Katarina's father was actually one of the principals at Durandell God Weapon Academy before mysteriously disappearing. Um, and now she's also part of the cinematic for this one called Fight for Yours, which is basically just a battle training montage with Ezreal, Jace, Katarina, and Lux. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. It was neat. Part of Battle Queens, once fractured by endless warfare, the collective queendoms of Elysia have realized the true nature of their world, that the magic holding their fantastical plane together is maintained only through conflict. They have thus allied through the unifying conflict of the Grand Coronation, though some alliances are beginning to show cracks. This is Battle Queen Katarina. Katarina won the Schemian Crest with a ruthless performance in her region's rightful leader. Um, nope, I misread that. Uh, with a ruthless performance in her queendom's battle pits. For Schema to break free of its humble alliances and become the region's rightful leader, it will take a similarly commanding performance in the coronation, and Katarina has never been more prepared to cement her fearsome status as the rightful queen of queens. And this one has its own short story called The Battle Queen Crests, um, where it kind of goes through each of the queens and what they're doing leading up to the coronation. For Katarina, an assassin is sent to stop her from competing in the coronation. She easily senses the assassin coming, disables her attacker, trash talks the attacker a little bit, and then kills her. It's also implied that the blade collection that she has with the skin all comes from conquered foes. Ooh, that's kind of cool. That's always fun. (coughs) Now she's part of Soccer Cup. Can you do that again? Because I just coughed really loudly. Now she's part of Sop... Sopper, sopper, so- <laughs> soccer cup. You had one in you, and I, <laughs> I coughed over the good take. <laughs> sopper cup sounds very disgusting. <laughs> Set in the world of football, all of the champions are either football players, judges, fans, or the soccer ball. This skin line in League of Legends was created to celebrate the FIFA World Cup, and this one is Red Card Katarina. Is that a regulation uniform? No. Should a referee be holding a large dagger in the middle of a sports game? No. Are you going to argue with a woman in a non-regulation uniform holding a large dagger in the middle of a sports game? I think we both know the answer to that. They were just like, I want to see Katarina in tiny shorts. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Correct. And now she's part of Bilgewater, which is set around the port city of Bilgewater. All the champion skins are directly related to that faction. The Bilgewater alternate universe officially encompasses three skin lines. General Bilgewater skins, Burning Tides, and Curse of the Drowned. And she's just kind of General Bilgewater. Bilgewater Katarina. To outsiders, the politics of Bilgewater seem a mean mess of villainous scum and dishonorable thieves. But woven throughout are complex loyalties, solemn codes of honor, and a very specific if bloody, way of doing things. Cutting through it all is Katarina, a master of the blade. She silences the right tongues at all the right moments for the right price. Did, did that strike anyone else as like oddly sexual? She silences yes, all the right... Yeah, okay, thank you. She silences all the right tongues in all the right ways. <laughs> for, a price, you know? uh, for a price. For a price. Speaking of sexual, she's also part of the harrowing as Kitty Cat Katarina. There are times when Katarina deeply questions the parameters of her assassination missions. This is somehow not one of those times. 
She's living her her, her true self. She found it. <laughs> People really like this skin. I feel like, or is it just that it was like it was exclusive yeah. back in the day. So if you missed it, you couldn't get it. And people went crazy for that shit. It was yeah. this one in French made in Italy that like cat all the people wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Which fits for both of them. <laughs> yeah. We got a twofer on that one. <laughs> now she's part of Death Sworn. At the behest of death itself, the souls of fallen warriors return to the plane of the living to claim even more souls for the underworld. They are Death Sworn. This one is Death Sworn, Katarina. <laughs> to fully swear oneself to death service, okay. a mortal must be prepared to sacrifice the living. A skilled assassin in life, Katarina pledged her sinister blades willingly and was granted spectral abilities, allowing her to pass in and out of the underworld with ease. Okay. That's kind of a cool right. AU. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Three more to go. <laughs> we got Blood Moon, an ancient cult seeking irresistible power, surfaces on Knights of the Blood Moon to perform profane esoteric rites, merging their flesh with demonic spirits and becoming one with an ever greater darkness. This one is Blood Moon Katarina. An honored priestess of the Blood Moon cult merged with the flesh of her demons, as all priestesses are fated to be. Yet, the descent of the Blood Moon has changed the nature of demons and humankind, and Katarina has begun her ascent into a newer, darker form. Cool. Now, now we got Snowdown Showdown with Slay Bell Katarina. Now this is a fun one, because... Oh, see, I remember <laughs> some drama with this one. Oh, there was some drama on this one, but because you can't see the spelling, Slay, you hmm. see... It means a sled, but it also, in this context, means to kill, you know, to, to slay. And then bell can be like a thing you ring, but in this one, it's like bell like a lady. So, you know, there's a lot of clever things happening in in this one. Uh, donning a mishmash of <laughs> snowdown fashions to throw targets off her scent, Katarina uses the holidays as a cover for high-profile assassinations. If you hear the sound of jingle bells, Run. And the drama back- I remember with this one, yes, is that her recall animation, a candy cane popped up, and she did a stripper pole dance, yes, on the candy cane, and people were pissed, and I would have been too if I was paying attention to Lee at the time more, yeah. Um, so then they changed it <laughs> to her just cutting the candy cane, which did fit her more, but it also felt like they were really annoyed that they had to change it. Yes. Now, this isn't to mean that they don't believe that. You know, pole dancing is an improper backing no. animation because Nidalee's backing animation is still her pole dancing. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they did specifically call out, it fits for her because it fits her cougar aesthetic, was a, a quote. <sighs> uh, but it, it seemed weird that someone wearing, you know, reindeer headband would be strip dancing. That's, okay, uh, so I don't agree with that. <laughs> it was just like... Katarina's thing isn't about her being really sexual, so that's what kind of feels off about it to yeah. me. It's like if it were Evelyn, that would a hundo percent make sense. <laughs> I think. I think the thing Slay is though, Bell is that, Evelyn. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think the thing is, is that right? Like in like in terms of her characterization, yes, but in the way that she is depicted, that's something that is of strong current in her, like her splashes yeah. and just her general depiction. And I think that obviously infected the construction of that skin. <laughs> Right, 
is they it's kind of true. forgot like oh this is the character right Mm-hmm. So. And they have, if you look at Katarina's newer skins, they're not like that anymore. So, like, they have improved in that sense that, like, oh, yeah, she is an assassin. Maybe she should dress like <laughs> one. Even in the AU, she tends to be an assassin. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I forgot about that. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I did, too, until I don't know why it popped back into my head when I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, the final AU she's a part of is Odyssey. The great Damaxian Empire has laid claim to almost every inhabited system, ignoring the objections of the ancient Templar Order and the criminal syndicate alike. In pursuit of the wondrous bounty of Aura, this mysterious golden essence drawn from the vast majestic creatures that patrol the stars is the lifeblood of all civilizations, but also promises untold power to those who can wield it for themselves. So does Katarina not have a skin for this? You are correct. Just another okay. one? Damn. <laughs> I was just looking for it. Katarina has no skins in this skin line, but in the Welcome Aboard cinematic, Yaswo can be seen reading a romance novel with Bilgewater Katarina and Rugged Garen on the cover. Oh, okay. Uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> You're wow. welcome. Slippery Thanks, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> I've got a few fun facts. We've gone through some of them already, but. Alrighty. She's voiced by Tara Platt. Mm. Neat. Neat. Uh, her mercenary skin was actually her base skin on release, oh. which is why all her old ability icons are her with blue hair. Oh, okay. I won. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a very fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> you surprised me, John. Normally, yeah. you're so unfun. <laughs> Thank you. I, I like genuinely learned something today. That's neat. <laughs> Um, it is implied through Swain and Ergot's quotes that Katarina knows what happened to her father, but is just kind of cool with it. Yeah, well, I guess, so that's something that we didn't really get into with any of the stuff, but her dad's also missing now, potentially. Is he dead, yes. for sure, or just missing, missing? Missing, presumed dead. Did they mention that in her shit? I, no, I don't think so, No, actually. I don't think so, yeah. Which is, you know, seems like an oversight on my part, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what you gonna do? Um... <laughs> What, what I will say is that the Swain quote seems to kind of deflect and say, like, oh, do they know? It was like, oh, do they know who was responsible for your dad going missing? Do they still think it's me? Like, kind of like saying, like, they're just blaming me. It's not actually me. Um, but Ergot <laughs> says, yeah, Swain betrayed him. So. <laughs> but yeah, even funnier that, like you said, didn't show up even in any of the stuff that we just went over. So, cool. Mm-hmm. Now, the name Du Couteau means of the knife in French. Huh. Yeah. Which really fits for Katarina. Not so much for Cass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, her dance is a Napoleon Dynamite reference. Oh, it is. Speaking of, <laughs> I have seen it speaking of dances that really uh, tap into the... Actually, I can't even say that this tapped into the time because... Napoleon Dynamite was, is already... way I, older. I was in high school when Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> came out, so... Yeah. I was much yeah. older. Mm-hmm. You get, this is interesting. Like you know, a, timeless. I was going to say, you get yeah. insight into the minds of the rioters who were making this shit, really. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Cat was the first champion to receive a skin for each of the three big annual events of the year, Lunar Revel, Harrowing, and Snowdown Showdown. Mm. Nice. The skin triple. I think triple she actually hat. received, she she achieved that at the same time as <laughs> Nidalee was also achieving that same same thing. They did it simultaneously. Weird. Weird that they seem it's, to get... 
Yeah. I don't want to call it a simultaneous release, but that's what it <laughs> was. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so Man at Arms Reforged created a real-life replica of Katarina's daggers. And if you haven't seen any of his videos, you should watch them because they're pretty cool. <laughs> he also made a functional version of Diana's Crescent Moonblade, Poppy's Hammer of Orlin, and Leona's Zenith Blade, among others. Mm. I've seen a few of them. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Uh, and finally, I talked a little bit about Battle Queen Katarina. It being implied that um, her blades kind of come from conquered foes. Uh, as if you play that skin, you unlock and equip a new blade every three takedowns you get. Mm. And you can have a maximum of six different blades with that skin, and you can oh, swap shit. through them by pressing Control Five when you're out of combat. That's pretty fucking cool. That makes <laughs> yeah, me want to play that that. that Katarina yeah. just to do that in that skin. I won't get any takedowns. You gotta try that's the that. Problem. Right? You'll no, get you will. We'll make sure. <laughs> I'll just throw my keyboard down the stairs and press R. <laughs> get your dog. Just like <laughs> smash a little pause on the keyboard. <laughs> I wonder if that would still work. We get the only one way to find out. <laughs> right. Any final thoughts on Katarina? No, I'm done. No. Well, thank you, John, for all of that immense research you had to do. Whenever there's an old champion, you always end up having to do so much more. <laughs> yes, thank you for carrying us. Or me, at least. Uh. <laughs> and he does it in league, and he does it in life. <laughs> it's always carrying my ass. I don't know if you've seen my league games. <laughs> I mean, I'm always right there in lane with you. But that was Katarina. Thank you for listening. We have a Twitter. It's at Loreheads. And we post these on YouTube if you ever want to chat there. And if you really want to chat, we have a Discord server. And it's linked in the description of the video. We also have a Patreon now. And thank you so much to all yeah. patrons. Thank you to all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. And we did post a our kind of first patron exclusive content with the Earth video yeah. recently. Well, not or video. An Earth, it was uh, an episode. Earth podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> recently um and we should have our first video content soon on there as well the first one's going to be a bit of an oopsie because we tried to do a reaction video and we done goof the audio just a little so. oopsie you know it'll be a it'll, nice, it'll be a nice blooper reel yeah so, you yeah. know I we know talk about we're asking um, about blooper reels so we talk about feet a lot for some reason <laughs> there's Sorry a about surprising that. amount of <laughs> my fault entirely <laughs> more than you would think <laughs> <laughs> how much i guess you'll just have to find out you know 60 percent foot and i also wanted to give a special shout out to our first ever madarda tier donor jeremy rich on patreon is that what you called that it is yeah <laughs> dope that's dope yeah it's you know they're they're fancy so thank you so much for the patronage much appreciated and yeah. join us next week because we'll be talking about the righteous kale. 